I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am so excited for today's show. You guys are going to love it. And I will introduce you to our guest in a few minutes here and tell you a little bit more about the conversation that her and I had. But first, I want to let you know about something that I think you all will really enjoy. So if you have been listening to the podcast since it first came out, or maybe you recently found the podcast and have been listening to old episodes and whatnot, you may have came across my episode with Maris Dagener. So if that name doesn't ring a bell, I definitely encourage you to go back to my early episodes and find the one where I interviewed Maris Dagener because she's amazing and she is what I am telling you about today. (laughs) So Maris and I have become really good friends over the years. Her and I actually first connected a few years ago over on Instagram. I I don't know exactly how we found each other on Instagram, but we became friends, started chatting, and we really clicked. Her and I both have history with anxiety and we have both overcome anorexia and I know many of you who listen to this show connect with me on that level because of your personal struggles and histories as well. So there's a lot of women who listen to this show who have Um, like experience and a history with eating disorders or disordered eating. And that's why I love having these episodes with women who have similar stories to me so they can share their stories of rising up and rising beyond and moving beyond their struggles. So that's what Maris is all about. She's young. She's a very old soul, though, and she has so much to offer the world. And I just cannot express my pride for this girl because just on Monday, um, February 4th, her movie, I Am Maris, hit iTunes. Now, like I said, Maris and I are really good friends. So she actually sent me a previewing of the movie. And I was just so taken back. I was 
so moved within about the first 30, 45 seconds, I was in tears. It really just hit me. And I just absolutely loved this movie so much. It's about her personal journey of anxiety and anorexia and how she overcame her mental illness through yoga and obviously other things throughout her recovery, but there's a huge focus on how yoga really helped her move through recovery and fully recover from her eating disorder that nearly robbed her from her life. So her movie is absolutely incredible. I knew that's what it was about going into it, but I didn't exactly know like what would all be included in the movie. And I was just blown away. It is absolutely fantastic. So like I said, on Monday, it did hit iTunes. So if you guys want to go check that out, All you have to do is search I am Maris and Maris is M-A-R-I-S. So if you also love watching like documentary type movies and real life stuff, like that's my jam. Um, All the movies that I love the most are all like real life movies or I love the documentaries. So anyways, if you're like me and you like that sort of thing, you are going to love this. And Maris just has such a great energy, so many great things to say. So she's not our guest today. So I will introduce you to our guest shortly, but I really did want to make sure that you knew about Maris's movie. So you you could head over to iTunes and watch it yourself. I know everyone's always like posting on Facebook or social media asking, what should I watch on Netflix tonight? So I just thought I would share that with you just in case you need something else to watch tonight or later on this week, this weekend. Um, Yeah. Whenever you need to hunker in and chill on the couch, I definitely recommend the movie I Am Maris. (laughs) So that's my little update for you guys. I watched it on the weekend, and like I said, I was just so blown away. So definitely tune into that, but let's chat about our episode today. So I am interviewing Karina Morgan, and Karina and I have also become friends through social media. And in today's conversation, we really are continuing the topic of women dealing with um, lack of menstrual cycles, so amenorrhea. Um, Karina has experienced amenorrhea before, and she is sharing her story with us. What she specifically faced was or is known as the female athlete triad. So that's over-exercising and then you're 
losing your menstrual cycle, under eating, and also it affects your bone mass or your bone density. So Karina shares her story. We talk about the female athlete triad and it really does go undiagnosed many times just because it is just such a common thing but overlooked thing in our society today. So we talk about that and just her personal journey and how she personally overcame that because now she does have her period back. And then she's all about mindset. So she does a lot of mindset coaching with her clients. So we go into the mindset of things regarding getting your period back, your body changing, and like body acceptance, body image, all of that juicy stuff that I know you guys love. So let's get to the show because you truly are going to really enjoy this episode with Karina Morgan. So Karina, welcome to the show. I am so happy to have you on with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to be here and to spend some time chatting with you. Yeah, I know we've been following each other on Instagram and I just love your message and like your whole journey to what brought you to where you are today. So I'm really excited for you to share all of that today and so much more. Yay, I cannot wait. Yay. So do you want to do a little bit of an intro? Sure. Um, So my name is Karina, and I am a health and mindset coach. I kind of switched gears. I got my master's degree in nutrition a few years ago and started nutrition coaching and personal chefing. um, And have recently switched in the last year or so to more like holistic health and mindset coaching. Um, So I went through a really big self-discovery journey a few years ago. I spent four or five years dealing with orthorexia and over-exercise, and I had hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, I really had the female athlete triad. And so through my recovery from that and healing, I realized how passionate I was about helping other women who are probably struggling with that as well and don't feel like they can talk about it openly. So that's kind of where I am today, working with women on the health side of that, as well as the mental side of that kind of recovery. Yeah. And your work is so important. So we have chatted about amenorrhea previously on my show many of times because that's something that I am working to recover from right now. But the female athlete triad, we haven't really gone into this before. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So I honestly didn't even know what it was until I was trying to figure out what was going on with me and like not having a period myself. And I don't think it's often diagnosed. I think it kind of flies under the radar. I don't think a lot of people or women know much about it, but basically it's, it's three things. It's a low energy availability. So 
intentional or not, it's under eating, basically chronically under eating, not having enough food to fuel your body and all of its functions. It's a lack of a period or amenorrhea, um, not having a menstrual cycle, and then loss of bone mass. Um, so estrogen, when your hormones are really low, it's estrogen is really important for keeping your bone density really strong. And so if you have low energy and you have no period, a lot of times your estrogen is so low that your bones aren't as strong. So you start developing symptoms of maybe osteopenia or osteoporosis even at a young age. So if those three um, diagnoses are kind of the categorization, categorization for the female athlete triad. Okay, so you said that you like didn't even know about the female athlete triad prior to kind of like dealing with this stuff or getting diagnosed. So what was the situation like prior to that? Like what was it like getting diagnosed with something that you weren't really familiar with? Well, to be honest, I first diagnosed myself and then I went to a clinic and talked with uh, a naturopath and we kind of got on the same page about it. But basically I was Googling (laughs) what happens when you aren't eating enough and you're exercising too much and you don't have a period. And then like it popped up and um, it I like was doing some research on that because I got a, also got a master's degree in medical research. So I just like to, you know, dig into things. And I saw that you needed to, one of the requirements for that diagnosis was the loss of bone mass. So I went to a naturopath and they got me a DEXA scan to see because I was 22 at the time. And it's a very, very bad time to be losing bone mass. So I, when I got a DEXA scan, it confirmed that my bone mass was not where it should be. And so that's kind of how I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your life like during that time? Like, did you realize or know that you were under eating? Like, was it an intentional thing? I know you mentioned orthorexia before. Yes, it was intentional. I didn't realize it was to that extent. Um, So I was going through a period of, like I was exercising a ton and I definitely had some disordered eating habits and thoughts and was trying to make sure that I was eating the exact right amount of calories to balance the amount of exercise I was doing and like trying to use exercise to like make up for food. So it was one of those things where I was trying to convince myself that I was eating the right amount because I was trying to like count them up in my head. Um, But I I knew I was under eating because I was losing a bunch of weight and um, not a bunch because I'm a small person. So, you know, not a ton, but enough to know that I did not feel my best. Um, So. Yeah, (laughs) and I just thought it was important to bring that up because I think I don't know, like, it's such a normalized thing within our health community these days is like, we're trying to make healthy choices. And so many of the women that I come into contact with are making these healthy choices and don't really 
know that they've taken things too far almost. Yeah, I totally agree because we have so normalized it in our society. It's almost like expected of us. And so I feel like a lot of women are engaging in these habits without even thinking twice about whether or not they are under eating or over exercising because they've been shown over and over again in the media that that's how things are supposed to be. And that's how you're supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like not even just eating wise, it's the over exercising that has also been super normalized. So you said that you were under eating and definitely over exercising. How long did you go without your period before you were like, "Mm, I think there's something wrong. Um, so I went a total of about four and a half years. And then I think it was around that two and a half year mark. I think I spent two years actually trying. Um, so about two and a half years in, I knew something was wrong. I just was not prepared to deal with it. I knew if I went to the doctor, they would tell me I had to stop exercising and that I needed to eat more. And I was so scared of gaining weight. And I was so scared of not exercising that I just like pushed it aside because the other thing that is really interesting is I think a lot of women going through this are still, are also younger. And when you're 23 or 22 or younger, you're not really thinking about, most people are not necessarily thinking about like having kids or anything. So for me, I was actually kind of happy for a little while. I was like, man, this is great. Like, I don't have to deal with this. And then after a couple of years, I was like, actually, this is probably fairly important. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of was like, okay, you need to go figure this out. Yeah. And so were your next steps, aside from Googling, were your next steps like going to see a naturopath or what happened after that? Yes. So I was actually going to a naturopathic school at the time, not to become a a naturopath, but both of my master's degrees were at that school. So I went to our clinic and started working. They had a woman that worked there um, that was that specialized in like women's health. So I started working with her and her like intern. And that was kind of the first step I took was to start working with them. And um, they were the ones who sent me to get the DEXA scan and start the healing process from there. Okay. So you mentioned that you were a little bit fearful about going to see a doctor or an ND because you thought they would tell you to eat more and exercise less. So was that the protocol you received? That was exactly the protocol I received. (laughs) Of course, right? So your fears kind of became reality. And how did you deal with that? Because I know a lot of the women listening right now are definitely fearful of the exact same things. So I will tell you what I did. And then caveat that that's not necessarily what people should do. Um, I definitely fought things for a while. I was working with the naturopath. I was going through the motions, like they had me do seed cycling, they had me taking um, like Chase Berry and a couple of other supplements and herbs to help with like your, your cycle. But I was 
literally just taking the things. I didn't stop exercising. Um, I was like walking for two hours a day instead. Um, I definitely wasn't eating enough. I started, I increased my food a tiny bit and then was like, oh, that's, that's, that's what they said. And that's what I did. Um, but my heart was not in it for a solid year and a half. Um, I was and it. And that's part of why I work on the mindset so much is that I was doing the things, but as long as I wasn't actually aligned with what I was doing and believing in what I was doing, like it wasn't going to work and it didn't work. So it took about a year and a half for me to wake up and realize I'm not actually doing anything. I'm just spending a ton of money on supplements and like, you know, going through the emotions. So if I actually want to fix this, like I have to go freaking fix it. Good for you. So you realize that, okay, I'm just like going through the motions. And I do want to chat more about the mindset stuff with you because I'm super into that, obviously. But so like, what were the actual changes that took place between that moment of realization to when you did get your period back? So I had this aha moment where I realized that I wasn't happy and that nothing was worth like how much work I was having to put into like keeping myself like looking the way I was looking and, um, you know, fighting things so hard. And I basically just let go of all the rules. So there are definitely people out there that will say you need to stop exercise completely Um, in order to recover, especially on the amenorrhea end. Um, And especially if you have the athlete triad, you have to be careful with exercise because of the bone loss. Um, That being said, I did not cut out exercise completely. But that one moment where I really realized that I was the one making myself so unhappy and that I had the power to change that, I started eating because I loved my body and I didn't not because I hated it and wanted to make it smaller. And I started exercising because it made me feel really great and was a stress relief instead of like looking at it as a stressor. And I I think it was literally just the mindset shift of being able to look at the things I was doing as positive and not negative. So I definitely ate more. Um, I just stopped counting or tracking anything. So I don't know for sure, but I mean, I, I ate more. I gained a little bit of weight and I exercised way less. I didn't stop, but I was exercising way less and only doing things I really loved. Um, And then I did do like seed cycling and some supplements as well. And about six months later, I got it back. That's great. And yeah, I know I mentioned in a previous episode, I think it was like episode 42 or so, is that like the average time for someone to get their period back after like really focusing and committing would be like four to six months. So that seemed to work out for you for sure. And I do like how you brought up eating more without actually tracking because tracking just doesn't work for some people depending on their history. So I love that you didn't because I would love for you to 
share with our listeners some ways that they can actually go about eating more without having to get into like counting calories or macros, things like that. So give us some like examples of what you did. Okay. So that's a really good question, especially because what I have noticed with a lot of my clients is whether or not they're in the nutrition industry or field when they're dealing with like disordered eating habits or they're so used to tracking and counting, they know the calorie content of all these different foods. So even if they stop using an app, they're still calculating it up in their head because they know that like, this is how many calories is in an avocado and this is how much three ounces of chicken is. And so what I found is that I had to just push that little voice inside of my head away very, very consciously for a a long time. And I started, I, what I would do is I would make myself like a really big plate, like probably like pretty much every time I knew it was probably too much for me, but that way I was, it was helpful for me to allow myself to eat as much of it as I want until I was full than to eat like a smaller plate and then like go get seconds because I was still hungry. I, like mentally for me, that just worked better. Um, and I don't know if that would work for everybody, but it helped me know. And then like not weighing or like throwing that food scale out. Um, you know, obviously you can still kind of visualize what you're doing, but just like consciously trying to not visualize it and having someone, I didn't have anybody, but I think it can be so helpful to have somebody else that's either knows what you're going through or is going through it at the same time. That's part of why I love coaching is to give someone else that support of being able to be like, I'm struggling with this and someone to to tell you, you know, it's okay. Just like ignore that voice, let yourself, give yourself permission to eat until you're actually satisfied. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I do agree that it's so important to work with someone or just have someone else in your life that can kind of hold you accountable, but also be there to support you. And like you said, you were studying nutrition, and but you still worked with a naturopath because we all need a support team of some sort. And I'm so happy that you shared what actually worked for you because I think that's the great thing about podcasting is like everything we share doesn't necessarily have to work for whoever's listening, but it can provide ideas and people can just like take what they want and apply it to their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the plate thing, which I get, it's just a mind trick, right? Like for me being used to wanting to eat as little as possible, the thought of like making a second plate seems so much harder than the idea of making a big plate and being like, Oh, I couldn't finish it, Mm -hmm. which it sounds so silly, but it's just what worked for me. So So can we talk a little bit more about eating more though? Because ever since I've shared with my followers that I've been eating more, I've been getting a lot of questions 
about like, well, how do you eat more when you're always full? I'm never hungry. I'm uncomfortable when I eat more. Were these things that you experienced as well? Like when you started eating more, were you more full than usual, uncomfortable, that sort of thing? How did you navigate that? I will say maybe I lucked out that I was not super uncomfortable. I think I had been under like so drastically under eating for so long that when I finally allowed myself to just eat anytime I was hungry without reservations, um, I was just hungry. And so it was not hard for me personally to eat more um, because my body was just like saying, oh gosh, like, thank you. So I didn't actually have that, that personal challenge. Um, I did have to learn how to navigate being full because I'd never, well, for five years prior to that had never really gotten to that point, never allowed myself to like be actually physically full. And I guess for that, It was just more of a me having to remind myself that being full is normal and it's okay to eat anytime I'm hungry or even if I just feel like it. Cause I was at this point where I was like, I needed to eat a lot more. And so like, even if I wasn't actually hungry, but I was craving something to go ahead and give myself permission for that and to embrace being full because it's a normal and natural part of your, your eating cycle. Exactly. We need to remove like the negative stigma around being full. Media tells us that we're not supposed to eat until fullness. And that is absolute BS in my opinion. Like, no, like the whole eat until you're 80% satisfied. It's like, no, then I'll be hungry again. Like like an hour later. (laughs) What is that? I just don't understand. Every single time I eat, I eat until fullness. And it feels good. And my body feels better. Yeah, it's amazing. And and I do work with that, work on that topic with my clients of like, I feel like there is this idea, especially if you're coming from a history of disordered eating, where you feel like you need to categorize things. Like this is my breakfast, this is my lunch, this is my dinner, these are my snacks. And when you're going through recovery and you're trying to eat more, you might find yourself a a little bit hungry an hour after you ate a meal and being able to say like, that's okay. You don't have to classify it. Um, Cause I'll have women come to me and they're like, I don't know if this is a snack. And like, I can't eat right after I just had a meal. And so working through how to just accept that and say, it's okay. If you're hungry an hour after you ate, that's totally fine. You should honor that yeah our bodies are so so wise and we just need to listen to them and accept them for where they're at so that's something else I actually want to chat with you about is like the acceptance piece because you mentioned that one of your other fears aside from eating more were your body changes in response to eating more so I know that's why so many women fear eating more. So can you share a little bit more about 
what actually happened throughout your journey as you began to eat more? Like, did, was it that scary? Like you thought it was going to be? So, yeah, it's crazy. I went from counting every single calorie and macro, working out like four hours a day, um, like just so intentionally trying to undereat to allowing myself to eat however much I wanted whenever I wanted and exercising like 45 to 60 minutes a day. And all in all, after it was all said and done and I finally got my period back, I'd gained three pounds, just three. Like, and yes, my body composition definitely changed, but I had made that choice that it was worth it. And so to me, after I like made the decision and I was consciously like, nope, I'm choosing health over leanness, it wasn't scary anymore because it was my choice and my decision. Yeah. It's all about really shifting our focus from eating to look a certain way to eating to just like take care of ourselves and focus on our health and loving ourselves. Really, that's what it comes down to. And I remember being so scared that people were going to judge me or they weren't going to like me anymore because I wasn't super fit or I didn't look super fit. And again, I like when I had this moment, I realized, well, if there's anybody out there who I see on a regular basis that would care if I changed my body in order to be healthier that person is not worth my space anyway. Like we're not meant to be connected. So that also really helped me kind of get over that fear. Yeah, that's so important to point out as well. So I want to spend the last bit of our show chatting about mindset, maybe some of the mindset things that you did for yourself throughout your journey. And then maybe later on, we can chat more about the things you work with on with your clients as far as mindset goes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest shift I made that has helped me not just with, you know, recovering from the female athlete triad, but in my life is that I have the power to make all of the choices in my life. And I can confidently make my decisions and know that I'm owning them and it's my choice and it's my power. And so when I was going through recovery, I felt like sometimes you know, I didn't have a choice to get where I was at that point that, you know, society had made me or ex-boyfriends had made me feel that way. And, you know, I took ownership of it. I was like, no, I made this choice and now I'm going to choose to not. And I feel like that's applicable to everything. So like anything you do is your decision even if like someone else has asked something of you, like you're still choosing whether or not you want to do it based on what the pros and cons are. So being able to have like a a process for making your decisions really confidently, I think is a really, really big one. Um, And then knowing that your body is not trying to work against you. That was a really big mindset shift for me. It's one I work with my 
almost all of my clients on because I think in this space, there's a really prominent idea that our bodies are working against us. Like we want to lose weight, but our bodies want to hold on to it. Or like we want to get more lean, but our bodies don't want to. And, you know, our bodies are the ones that are making us hungry, but we don't want to eat. And so there's this idea of like betrayal. And that's why we don't listen to or learn how to understand our bodies because we are fighting it, thinking it's working against what we want. And so I think a big mindset change is to learn that your body is actually working with you. It wants the best for you. And if you choose to honor it and actually learn how to understand to it, understand it and listen to it, you guys will, your mind and your body will be working towards the same goal. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like there's this tension, like learning how to trust that your body wants what's best for you. So those, I think, are the two biggest ones. That's awesome. But I do know that many women who deal with, like, chronic illness will get caught up in the fact that actually they do believe their body is against them. So let's just, like, pivot from the female athlete triad for a second and speak to those women who are maybe dealing with a chronic illness and actually do feel like their body is literally fighting them. What are some things that you can offer them in terms of like feeling as though that their body actually isn't against them? That's a really good question. And I'll preface this with the, the fact that I don't actually work with the chronic illness community much. Um, but I think that's a really, really good point. And I actually have a good friend who said something really similar. She's dealt with a lot of chronic illness and she told me she hates the term, listen to your body because she feels like her body has been betraying her her whole life. And I think a big component of, of managing that and, and, handling that relationship when it feels like it's not in alignment, like your mind and your body are not in alignment is to embrace that tension and realize that you're both doing the best you can. Mm -hmm. And you can choose how, like what you do and it might not line up exactly with what you're physically dealing with, but knowing that doing the best you can is a hundred percent. Okay. And, um, giving yourself the love and like acceptance of that. Mm -hmm. No, I fully agree with that. And that's such a great answer for sure. So within, do you work in your practice? Are there a lot of girls coming to you with the female athlete triad or missing periods or primarily what are they dealing with? A lot of amenorrhea, um, a lot of missing periods, whether or not that's accompanied by the triad. Um, A lot of women will come to me with very, very similar symptoms, but maybe haven't gone to get a DEXA or, you know, they don't know about the the bone loss piece. Um, And that's something I will recommend. A lot of 
the women who come to me alongside like those physical symptoms, even if they don't have those, they have a very strong like mental block about food and exercise and how their body looks and what that means about them. Like the women that I mostly deal, mostly see that come to me believe that their self-worth is in the way their body looks. And so a lot of what I do is extrapolate that and help women go through the mindset shifts and the physical changes they need to separate their self-worth and their identity from their physical bodies and realize how much power and confidence they can have no matter what their body looks like. Right, right. And that's so important. So if someone is listening right now and definitely ties their worth to how they look, what are some first steps that they can start doing? So one thing I will have almost every client do um, when I first start working with them is to start a gratitude list um, every single morning. So three things they're grateful for every single morning that have nothing to do with their body. Um, And then the other exercise I really love is I like to ask my clients and I don't ask them on the spot to give them space to journal this. So if you're listening and a lot of this is hitting home with you, like taking 10 minutes or so to, to think about this, but I'll ask them if you had no body, if you were just a soul, what would you say about yourself? How would you describe yourself? And I've seen some really beautiful things come out of that, that prompt. Wow. That's amazing. It's really cool. It like makes me, it it makes me cry pretty much every time I see someone answer it. Well, it probably makes them cry a little bit too, because they probably didn't really realize that that's how they feel about themselves either. Yeah, exactly. And so I'll have them a lot of times when it, when it makes sense, I'll have them kind of print that out and put it like on their mirror by their bedside or anytime they're feeling self-conscious or uncomfortable in their own skin, like looking at that list and, and being able to see like, look at all these amazing qualities I have that have nothing to do with my physical body. Yeah. Just to help remind them like they are so much more than that. Yeah. That's amazing. So this is something random that I noticed that I was doing a little bit recently and I would just like to share it now because it's definitely relevant. But if someone's having maybe a bit of a bad body image day or whatever, think about someone that you think is absolutely gorgeous or someone you admire and just like imagine the next time you looked at yourself in the mirror, like your face was their face or whatever. And I did that with myself a few times. And it's like, I get sad because I would miss my own face. Even if, like, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like you could have a bad body image day. And then like, just in your mind, imagine you no longer have your own face, your own body. Imagine you do look different. Like, I would literally miss where I'm at right now, even if I don't 100% love 
everything about where I'm at right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's awesome. I've I've never heard of that, but that's that's really cool. It's weird. I don't know, but I did it a couple times recently. I was like, hmm, I don't know, worth sharing one, maybe. One thing that I'll sometimes ask my clients is like to think of their best friend and then say, okay, imagine your best friend gained 30 pounds overnight. Like the next time you saw them, how would you feel about them? And pretty much every time my client, a client's like, I wouldn't feel no different about them. Cause there's still this like amazing human being that makes me laugh and you know, that I can share everything with like nothing would change. And so I'll follow that up with, okay, well, if, if that's how you feel about your best friend, how can you feel that way about yourself too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we all should be our own best friends, right? Mm-hmm. Honestly, we should. So I love that. And I've absolutely loved this conversation, sweetheart. I have one more question for you before you share all of your links where we can find you and whatnot. But what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? So to me, being unbreakable means being able to be unapologetically yourself and confident in who you are without reservations. That's beautiful. And do you feel like your journey of overcoming the triad really brought you to a place of being unapologetic? Yes, absolutely. And it's the best change that's happened in my entire life. Yay. I'm so happy for you. So I know everyone listening today is going to want to follow you and learn more from you. So where can we find you? So my Instagram is at Karina Morgan Health, and I'm super active on Instagram. And my website is KarinaMorganHealth.com. And then I have a Facebook group called Ambitious and Aligned, where I do a lot of like free trainings and um, journal prompts and things like that. So those are kind of the three main places you can find me. Awesome, sweetheart. Well, thank you for joining me on the show today. Everyone's going to love it. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun.